Welcome, everyone. Appreciate you all joining here on time. We're going to be covering some weekly protocol updates. And then uh, for a lot of us, uh, this the end of this week is going to be holidays. So uh, we're going to be keeping this tour space a little bit short. Um, but we're going to give this another minute or so, waiting on Carter to come join us. And, uh, and then we'll get this thing kicked off. Appreciate you guys being here. All right. While we're waiting on Carter, I'll go ahead and get this thing kicked off. Going to start with just some some protocol updates. Things happened this past week, and then we're going to be talking about a little bit of what's going to be coming after the holidays. This week is going to be a little bit short for a lot of our dev team, just as uh, you know, Thanksgiving holidays are about to be in full swing. I know today is at least in the states one of the. Uh, one of the busiest travel holidays, so understandably, there's going to be a lot of people who are busy today and won't be able to make it. But the space is recorded, so people will be able to come back and, and listen, um, listen back at a later date. But uh, just wanted to give some updates on everything that we did last week. Uh, we, as far as new pool launches, we were able to successfully launch the new Shade Tia pool, which is, which was really great. Um, interestingly enough with, um, you know, even with currently there's, uh, about 7,000 in TVL in that pool. But since we've launched it, I think almost every single day that we've launched it, um, we've had higher trading volume than the actual TVL. So full TVL of that pool is being traded. So liquidity providers are, um, are eating really well. And also, this is, you know, a profitable pool for the protocol. So it's always cool to see new launches uh, go really, really well, even, um, you know, with relatively smaller TVL than some of our other pools, um, especially some of our bigger pools. Um, it's really cool to see uh, some of these small pools become profitable um, very quickly. Obviously, you know, we're still in the first two weeks of uh, the pool launching, so there's still plenty of history to, <laughs> to be observed here, you know, um, but off to a really great start. Um, previously to that, you know, we had launched uh, DYDX pool. We were one of the first uh, DEXs in the Cosmos to launch DYDX. Um, differences uh, with this one, we we're pairing it to Silk, so slightly different liquidity provider dynamics than the Shade Tia pool. Um, but it's been really interesting over the past week, especially as we've seen, you know, increased volatility in the market, seeing the activity within private DeFi, we've seen a lot of people, um, you know, leveraging liquidity, providing as a way to take advantage of this volatility. Um, we've seen a lot of activity, continued adoption with our new wrapped ST ETH pools. Currently, Silk wrapped ST ETH and wrapped ETH wrapped ST ETH are our largest pools right now at 1.3 and 1.1 million uh, TVL respectively. 
Um, seeing some really great uh, adoption there. As far as uh, borrowing activity, uh, this past week we saw very briefly ST Atom Vault um, hit its silk allowance cap, which an allowance cap for um, for these collateral vaults is effectively how much debt uh, the protocol is willing to or is um, going to allow users to take out against a particular type of collateral. Collateral, and uh, ST Atom currently represents the largest collateral backing that Silk has. Um, I think it's somewhere around like 3.6 to 3.8 million or so. I haven't checked the Atom price today, so I, I can't say for sure. <laughs> With how busy with how busy uh, our team is, I, I would be surprised if any of them are checking prices throughout the day. There's always there's always stuff going on, always a backlog of stuff. But what's up, Carter? Hey guys, how's it going there? Good, good. Just giving some brief updates on just uh, what happened uh, this past week. Talking about new uh, LP launches with Shade Tia. Yeah, the Silk DYDX pool last week and just talking about um, an interesting observation from my end being that, you know, the Shade Tia pool with, you know, low TVL relative to some of our other pools is um, has been swapped like more than the total TVL for that pool is being swapped each day, which is really interesting because, you know, it actually represents one of our most profitable pools uh, right out of the gate. Um, even with, you know, low incentives, low TVL. So it's kind of cool. Uh, or rather, it's one of our most profitable as far as like how much revenue is generated from that volume relative to the incentive spend. I'm not saying, you know, we're out here making thousands and thousands of dollars off this Shade Tia pool. But it is cool to, you know, like these are the things, these are the metrics that we're, you know, we're concerned with uh, on our side when we're looking at emissions for pools. And, you know, it's, it's been really cool to see, um, you know, some of that T activity translate over to, to shade protocol. And I was briefly talking about uh, just some of the vault activity we had silk uh, or the ST Adam vault uh, hit its silk allowance cap. It's, um, there's still some available silk right now, but it's interesting, you know, seeing ST Adam as our largest collateral backing, um, you know, hitting that silk allowance cap again. And and I think there were multiple decentralized stablecoins in the in the cosmos that um that reached their ST Atom allowance cap or debt caps, uh like USK and I believe IST briefly hit those uh allowance caps as well. So it's interesting, like people with ST Atom have a heavy appetite for borrowing right now. Yeah, it's cool to see that Silk is also the largest ST Atom backed stablecoin in all of Cosmos. Like it's one of those, I think that Twitter thread came out from Stride with that cool little chart. It's just cool to see how much work Shade Protocol is putting in. And, you know, we'll continue to slowly but surely organically grow. And uh, it's, it's fun. Yeah, I'm just going through some of the some of the other updates that we've seen, you know, as far as staking is one where it's interesting. Like, I feel like anytime we give an update on staking, we're basically just, just going to be saying like, oh, staking's at a new all time high or like percent of uh, supply that staked is at a new all time high. Um, currently, there's 1.05 million staked or just shy of 60 percent of total or circulating supply staked, which is pretty wild. 
right now. Um, yeah. You know, there, there's lots of uh, sort of there's lots of things we can try and uh, garner from this, like try and figure out why people are doing this, why people are, um, you know, choosing particular avenues to, to utilize their shade. Um, whether it be like they're looking for single sided rewards, they're looking to hedge against the downside um, or, you know, whatever the case may be staking has been a really, really cool um, primitive as simple as it might be to see grow. And, you know, we've seen our staking APY continue to grow as volatility increases, shade swap revenue, uh, shade lend revenue, liquidation revenue all start going up, which means that that's more revenue to feedback in the shade buybacks um, going to stakers. That's personally really cool, um, in my opinion. Yeah. What, what do you think about the recent community discussion around having like a flat staking rate from fees and then anything in excess of a certain APY would go towards like protocol owned liquidity that slowly gets built out over time. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I think this is actually a really great idea. I don't know what that arbitrary, oh, it's somewhat arbitrary uh, staking APY that we'd want to, um, to kind of go after. I think just as a whole number or just like an easy rounding number, like 10% APY um, seems like it would be a somewhat reasonable cap, um, like 10% single-sided return on an asset uh, over the course of the year is, you know, you're beating, you know, all your traditional sort of uh, like revenue generation potential like if you're going for like traditional instruments uh like bonds cds treasury notes uh things like that obviously crypto is much more volatile <laughs> than those types of assets yeah. but it's um you know it's an interesting thought experiment of like what and you know i think about this with uh with like stable coin yield as well all the time it's like what is the risk appetite or like the yield appetite relative to your traditional instruments that can be used. Like what is the, what is the estimated risk profile associated with these opportunities? And, and that risk profile is kind of um, exhibited as the difference between what you could get with like traditional instruments, like 10, 10 month uh, treasury notes relative to, um, you know, just, providing liquidity for, for stable coins. Um, so if you assume like there's probably at least a three to 5% difference there. And then, um, so, you know, I would expect something similar, uh, with staking, but again, this is, you know, trying to peer into the minds of the people who are, who are using our product. And, you know, one of the easiest ways we can kind of achieve consensus is actually going and talking to our users, being able to put up forum pros, uh, you know, trying to spur this discussion. But um, I personally like the idea because that means that we're able to hit like a, an agreed upon yield for staking. And then we can start utilizing some of that yield um, in, in other places right? Whether that be directing uh, buybacks to liquidity providers, being able to take some of that revenue and, and create like in quotes insurance funds or like security funds for um, being able to ensure silk solvency 
uh, for liquidations. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things that can be used for anyone who's kind of interested in what some of the possibilities are. You can go back and look at um, the Meta Engine blog and the fee allocation section. There's, I, I believe, originally three or four different um, allocations that fees were originally proposed. And um, when we launched Shade Staking, we uh, we had agreed to. Because revenue at that time was um, a lot lower than it was now, we decided to direct all of that revenue into shade buybacks and directing to shade stakers. But you know, as that revenue grows, it's it's better for us to have a plan and at least understand what options there are uh, for utilizing this revenue in other ways outside of shade staking. Especially if you know those are the large majority of those actually participating in this opportunity agree that like, hey, we think that they're also good other good ways to utilize this revenue so and one way to think about it too is you know there's essentially a liquidity profile for shade right now which is probably you know somewhere between one to 1.25 million in liquidity that actually might be too high of a number but you know if you, if you point all of your fees at stakers you're not necessarily improving like passively improving the liquidity profile of the token. So it's like actually in everyone's best interest to work on that liquidity profile. And so I think like a shade Bitcoin pool or a shade wrapped STE pool, that's protocol owned liquidity that slowly gets built up over time. I mean, with the revenue projections we have right now, we, we could easily get up to a 50 to hundred thousand dollars worth of protocol and liquidity within, you know, four or five, six months. And you know, if it's a bull market, that obviously happens a lot faster, but I, I really like the concept of, I mean, it's something I've always harped on, which is like, you don't want to overpay for security. Um, and so stakers are extremely valuable and they, they, they govern shade protocol, but there, there's probably some percentage in there where, um, maybe like somewhere between seven to 10%. We're at a very healthy bonded ratio right now. It's 57, 57%. So um, yeah, I think, I think it would be cool. once we have governance to figure out that number um, because I think working on the liquidity profile, of the token makes it much easier to buy. It makes price discovery a lot more meaningful and ultimately like, Security is a function of liquidity. So improved liquidity also improves the security of, of the shade DAO as well. So I, I really only see positive towards building towards that passive protocol and liquidity, but it's all about sequencing, right? Like stakers are rewarded first, and then you work on the liquidity profile second. And then like one day, once we have a very large revenue stream, I would expect that there would also be a security budget where, you know, X percentage of revenue is directed towards rolling audits, rolling security. And like, that's, that's the like game I'm very excited about where we're just dumping tens of millions of dollars into security. And we just consistently do that because if you end up building a strong enough product suite, eventually security is, is the security and the stability is the biggest value add eventually. I, I think like Thorchain's a really good example of this where like, it's such, it's such a good product and it's so useful. They, they actually don't need to go and chase 20 to 30 more features. What they need to do is ensure that their current infrastructure stays like perfectly secure. Like that eventually security becomes your competitive advantage. So 
Um, yeah, and I think staking, people, staking liquidity than security. Yeah, I was about to say. I think you can. You probably say that about some of the biggest uh, decentralized stablecoins now, right? When you think about Dai, what is it that they provide um, that that is hard for others to provide? And a lot of that is just like time in the market. I, I think you refer to it as the Lindy effect, um, but just like the more yeah. time, yeah, more time you've been out. Um, the more chances things have had to go wrong um, and your ability to withstand any of those uh, potential instances. But, when, you know, when we're, when we're talking about yield, one of the things that I naturally think, think about, and I don't know how productive this is, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking about what is the breakdown of our, of our tokens accrued by fees, right? It would make sense that Silk is probably the largest token that is received from fees um, across, yep. you know, across all of our applications. And think about uh, what that could mean for, you know, Silk with its its integral uh, place within our ecosystem. There's a lot of different, you know, thinking about this in the future, right? There's a lot of areas where this silk crude from fees can be used in a really positive manner, whether that be, uh, you know, like being able to, um, you know, reduce incentives on, uh, on like the silk earn pool, right. And have POL slowly start accruing and having that either be able to be used as an emergency fund for liquidations or being able to be, um, used for any other stability mechanisms, um, it's really interesting to me. And, you know, as someone who's constantly on shade swap, I'm looking at, you know, what pools are most active right now. And obviously market conditions in a bear are different than in a bull. So the role of silk on shade swap will look slightly different during a bull. Um, and so, you know, these are the things I'm, I'm constantly thinking about. It's like, what is the breakdown of our fees and what could that look like in a future where, you know, the value of those fees accrued are much higher and then, you know, we have, we have the ability to be a little bit more flexible with what we're doing there. And I'll also say that like the money market's going to really open the doors for the protocol because right now with the capital that's accrued, like liquidity providing with impermanent sauce is quite risky. So to have an alternative in the form of being able to lend out crypto from the DAO and passively earn income that way, I think is going to be super powerful because then it starts to beg the question like, all right, like let's say we hit, you know, your 7% staking APY with that extra capital. Do, do you want to go and deepen liquidity and take on impermanence loss risk for the protocol? Or do you want to go and borrow and, and like lend that out and earn passive yield on the fees accrued? So like, I think the questions are going to become a lot more interesting once, once the money markets in, in play. Yeah, totally agree. There's, it, it's fun. You know, we have to obviously toe the line with how much educational material, how explicit our educational material is about um, educating people on like what is possible uh, when you compose some of these different products into a more complex position or to be able to create these more complex positions. Um, but I, I'm, we've got some, really, really solid community members who are really great about unveiling those uh, opportunities to others as well, whether it be on Twitter or other social media, um, other communications platforms. So it's actually, from my perspective, uh, been really great to see a lot of community members really focusing on like highlighting 
value propositions and opportunities relative to other um, other systems, you know, in, in the cosmos uh, right now. So it's been really cool. I'm, I'm not going to name names, but uh, there's quite a few, <laughs> there's quite a few uh, really awesome community members that do a great job of educating people on like what, what they could do if they wanted to earn more. Um, I, so I'm assuming you saw that single, that single sided liquidity providing arbitrage thread. Uh, are you talking about, yeah. Oh, okay. During the thread. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah that was yeah, my yeah. favorite one. <laughs> that yeah, was my yeah. favorite one. Yeah. But so kind of, we, we kind of recapped what, what happened the past few weeks today, day before Thanksgiving. Um, we've got a bunch of stuff coming out, um, the following week and the weeks coming up that honestly, these next two months are going to be incredibly important for shade protocol. Um, you know, as markets continue to turn, as we get closer to the, to the, I guess what we would consider the starting line for some of these new applications and new upgrades we're going to be providing for some of our existing applications. This next two months is going to be really critical for us <clears throat> within our, within our life, uh, within our lifetime or within the life of uh, Shea protocol. And so I guess I want to, I want to kick this off Carter with a little bit of uh introspection like it's almost thanksgiving traditionally you know at least in the states one of the things we're doing is thinking about what we're thankful for so i'm curious you've been in this for two and a half years building shade protocol i know this is going to be hard to try and distill the past two and a half years into you know a few a few statements but like what are some of the things you're most thankful for looking back and the growth that we've seen some of the pitfalls that we've had what are some of the things you're most thankful for? Oh boy, that's a deep question. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we still have the opportunity to be humbled. Um, I think there's been there's been a lot of prideful moments throughout the journey, and so I think like this last six months has been one of the most humbling experiences I've personally ever gone through. I think there's plenty of other team members that could say the same. And I think whenever you're given, you know, most people rarely get a second chance at bat. So, you know, you get it. it I feel like we're kind of like on our, our third cycle for shade. It's kind of hard to explain, but I'm just super thankful that we're still here, that we're still, we're still, we still get the chance to wake up every day and, and chase this like it's it's crazy it's 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 crazy so that would be one thing thankful for all the moments that have humbled us and the chance that we that, that the opportunity to continue to learn and grow is just like crazy we get to do this full-time um super thankful for the community i think the wisdom of the village um is sometimes a quiet thing like there's times where it's more obvious than others but to have community members consistently care consistently like interact with us interact with the app uh continue to advocate for us like it's so cool to know that there's these other people out there these other privacy folks that have peered behind the veil and and like believe and and they see what we're trying to do and we're all trying to get there together um and like what a cool thing to be united with these folks having never met with them never shaking their hands, but we're all united under kind of this common 
vision for unstoppable permissionless finance. And that's hugely inspiring and super grateful because there's, there's plenty of communities that don't have a shared ethos, right? Their, sh- their shared ethos is like, oh, we make money together, you know? Um, but I think, I mean, everyone likes is- making money. But. Well, for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. It's it's a great shared ethos. But if all you have is making money, um, I I think it's hard to like. There, there's there's like a there's like a deeper resiliency there when there's more to the story than just I'm driven by money. You know, uh, a lot of I'm driven by money people will not be with us in this next cycle. You know. Um, so that would be another, that'd be another thing I'm thankful for is, is, is the community and the ethos that unites us. I'm also really thankful for Cosmos collectively. I think having a chance like IVC, like we kind of take it for granted. We take it for granted how seamless it is to, to move assets around in Cosmos. Um, we kind of take it for granted the, the L1 developers and the people and the node runners and the relayers that keep this whole thing working. So I guess I'm, I'm thankful for our dependencies that work. Um, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here without them. Um, yeah, I'll pause there. And maybe you have a couple you'd like to share. Yeah. What, what you mentioned uh, right there in the middle is probably my number one thing, right? Um, we, we've always talked about how when you're building these products and you expect people to move capital, into them and utilize them right there there is a barrier there when you're when you're presenting a new opportunity and generally that barrier is overcome by being able to provide uh, greater expected outputs meaning people can make more money people have uh, better financial opportunities and we've always said that you know you have to be more than than two times greater right just being better than the other person from like a expected outcome is good and that will get you a certain uh relative uh size of user base but i think something that's really beautiful that's extremely hard to replicate um is that we have this value proposition that is intrinsic to all of our applications it's somewhat intrinsic um you know in our user base and that is this recognition and um appreciation like this holding of this ethos core to your core to your person of like privacy is a human right and uh, you know we all deserve this fair equitable financial markets um that we're all trying to build and some markets are more unfair are more fair and equitable than others and one of the things i'll say that i'm most thankful for is that we've got um we've got a part of our community a group of our user base that really holds that that ethos core um, to their self. And, and that's something that I'm personally really, really thankful for because I have, you know, me as the person uh, speaking right now, not necessarily Shade, but um, I'm extremely thankful for because it's a great learning opportunity. It's a great opportunity to meet um, individuals with, you know, that have similar values, right? In a space where we're mostly communicating online, um, I, I, you know, I've gotten to meet the the Shade Core contributors uh, quite a few times, but there's something so pure is probably not the right way to say it, but like it makes me feel really, really good knowing that we have this core ethos that's shared across our user base that is very, very difficult to break. Right. 
Um, and so I'll say that that's something that I'm uh, extremely thankful for, that we have the opportunity to continue to push the boundaries, not only from a tech perspective, but also building up a community and, and continue building this ethos of, you know, humans deserve the right to privacy, whether it be, you know, uh, digital self-sovereignty, whether that be an extension of their in real life sovereignty. Um, and, you know, it makes people it makes people consider how their data is used, um, you know, outside of our applications. I think that's one of the coolest fucking things because I think about things all the time. Like, okay, I do these things with shit. I do these things with uh, Monero. I do these things with what whatever privacy solution I'm, I'm looking to utilize. How can I take that over into my real life? And I've actually been able to apply that <laughs> numerous times. And, and I'm just super thankful about that. That's probably like my number one thing. Um, yeah, I think those are that was a wonderful little rundown there. And I, I think like the, the battle is only getting it more intense. Like yesterday in many ways was a earmark moment. U.S. government fully essentially declares war on Binance, right? Like call, call it what you will. The industry can say, oh, like we got our, we got our resolution. We got our clarity. It's like, guys, they just chopped the head off of Binance. They're going after Kraken. DeFi is next. DeFi is 100% next. So I think we're in a bit of a race. All, all these things we're thankful for. Sovereignty. Privacy. Permissionless participation. There's a timer. There's a timer on how how much time we have left to build this fundamental infrastructure to build unstoppable finance. And so it's Shape Protocol's opportunity and blessing to build this unstoppable finance and get this out to the world and fully out of our hands before they come for DeFi next. And make no mistake, they are they are coming for DeFi. They're hundred percent coming for DeFi. So I think the levity continues to grow. Hopefully you can hear that in my voice. Hopefully you can you can hear that in the energy. Like uh the race is on and 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 we do so fearlessly and with great opportunity. Yep. And you know, along the way we have the ability to learn from those who kind of came before us, right? What has worked from you know, reducing that risk exposure. Um, what what can we do to help protect um, both our user bases, our contributors, um, and you know the the general space, right? Like, this is not necessarily where you know one DeFi protocol over another is, is being targeted. This is what seems like you know, and I'm not I'm not a legal expert by any means, so feel free to disregard my comments, um, but. You know, it feels like this is a somewhat of a catch-all, and so this is an opportunity for the industry as a whole to kind of collectively uh, group together and push ourselves forward. So it's really interesting. I got to listen to the uh, to the to the DOJ uh, live stream yesterday, and it's. Uh, I always find it funny though whenever people outside the industry, especially individuals as old as the majority of the individuals on the panel were talking about DeFi um, in a way that like, I guess to the, to the uninitiated, it seems like they're making sense with some of their statements, but some of them I can't help laugh at 
Um, and you know, I'm not trying to laugh in their face, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I just find it slightly funny. I think we still have a little bit of a head start just because the understanding from governance government's perspective of the systems that are being built and the technology being leveraged to build these systems is still quite a ways away from being like on par with even like industry represent definitely far from on par with industry representatives yeah it's definitely it's definitely an opportunity for the industry to unite and there's definitely advocates out there um but what's kind of scary is these regulatory bodies that aren't really voted on right because think about, think about this the binance case was started realistically back in 2018 2019 so they've been slowly circling binance for three to four years so that probably means that DeFi right now like the the binance equivalent case is probably being developed as we speak so if i had if i had to warrant a guess i would say DeFi has like two more years before they go before it's like before the all-out war is declared so that's not too much time. <laughs> and I think the best thing we can do at shade, I know this is like super doomer of me. I, usually you don't hear me being this doomer. It's just like the Binance stuff really brought things into perspective. I, I mean, I think we have to move as quick as humanly possible, get money market, get perps, get governance, get infra fully decentralized. 2024 is going to be a heck of a ride. And I, I think we can fully pull it off. Like I think we can do it, but, um, the concept that centralized teams are going to survive two, three, it's like, no, like this thing has to be fully distributed. It's, it's the only, it's the only way. Um, and, and we've always believed that we've always known that. I think the urgency is becoming, is becoming much more real with, with days like yesterday. Yep. 100% agree. Well, let, let's uh, shift the mood a little bit, shall we, Carter? Uh, that's a, <laughs> I don't know how much more seriousness I can <laughs> necessarily take right now. I'm, I'm uh, thankful for all the risk we're taking because it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it, guys. It's worth it. So um, just uh, I want to touch on some uh, some things that we're currently working on right now in the background. Um, and one of the things that's probably most pervasive, like what we're working on with most teams right now is continually um, building access to liquidity on ShadeSwap, being able to continue growing the TVL that's available to be used for individuals to trade without worry of front running resistance, to be able to swap, provide liquidity, earn without fear of value extraction. And one of the ways we're currently approaching this right now with a few different, um, with a few different teams is through these what we're dubbing protocol owned liquidity matching. Um, we currently just had a proposal uh, on Strides governance as a signaling proposal to be able to do this POL matching deal and that passed. And so we're currently working with Stride team on, you know, all the details of this. And we're working with a few other teams right now in like, we're in progress of going through this. Um, so I didn't know if you wanted to, touch on like the value of POL matching relative to uh, like what we might consider like a traditional protocol on liquidity deal or, or protocol on liquidity swap. Yeah. So the, the current kind of DeFi model is we're going to throw money at mercenary capital, right? It's like, here's these two assets. 
we don't own the asset, but we want to make we we want to encourage a market around that asset. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you to bring asset A and asset B make a pool. I'm gonna pay you to do that. And what what I think is interesting is a lot of these protocols have no shortage of their own asset, right? Like to be honest, there there really isn't a shortage of of shade or a shortage of Osmo or Atom, right? Um, but what they have a shortage of is other assets. So it seems like there's this really big opportunity in Cosmos. And this is actually something like the Atom Hub outlined with covenants in the Atom 2.0 white paper. It, it seems like there's opportunities for protocols to team up to make markets together. And essentially, you're not having to pay mercenary capital because between the two protocols, you're able to make a market. Um, now, the downside of making a market with another protocol is you're gaining, you know, exposure to that asset because you're you're making a market that people can trade, and there's impermanence loss tied to it. But if assets on both sides are like fundamentally have good long-term roadmaps, roadmaps, and are quality assets, you can sidestep a bunch of rolling costs by just saying, "Hey, I have a massive abundance of asset A. You have a massive ab- abundance of asset B." Let's make a market together. And so that's what that's what protocol liquidity matching is. It's this method methodology of essentially collaborating and teaming up with as many Cosmos projects as possible to, to make markets together in the most cheap, efficient manner possible. Um, and we're seeing we're seeing good success with this. Like stride proposal passed. Now we're going to be following up with the actual execution prop. Um, Neutron, there's been a huge amount of interest. I've actually had quite a few DMs on the Neutron side of things. And there's quite a few folks there that are really, really excited about it because Neutron in many ways is trying to inherit a lot of those Atom 2.0 white papers. So the concepts of covenants, they actually have teams there that are building on, that are building these programmatic smart contracts that can represent liquidity deals between protocols. So when we when we approach them with, with the protocol liquidity matching, they were like, whoa, this is like <laughs> a team that's 100% in line with what we're already trying to <laughs> codify and make possible anyway. So like really, really good alignment there. Um, Jackal community is another one with the distributed data storage that we're obviously a big fan of. Um, and I, I think we're going to continue to approach Cosmos projects and find out like, hey, who wants to collaborate? Who wants to make markets without having to passively spend incentives? And it's, it's highly experimental. Uh, there, there's been OTC deals between protocols before, but this concept of you bring your asset, we bring ours, you keep your asset at the end, we keep our asset at the end. I think it's just really clean. And I'm really excited to see these deals roll out in these coming months and, and start to get it rolling. Yeah, and it's nice because, you know, when you think about a traditional protocol and liquidity swap, right, you're taking on... Um, and w- when you pair that, not only are you taking on impermanent law, impermanence loss, but you're also subject to like speculation of the, the asset that you swapped with, right? Sometimes that works out really well, like in the case of, um, you know, our POL swap with with Manta, that that turned out to be a really awesome uh, deal. But also, you know, there's there are potential downsides, right? And with the protocol and liquidity matching, you're really only subject to. Um, you know, and permanent loss on your own token, right? Which is which is yep. helpful. We're reducing speculation for this this sort of uh, utility that we're seeking. Hundred percent. And I think there's just it's a great. I mean, you could think of this as like a real world analogy, 
maybe it's like trade routes between countries, something to, something to that effect. And essentially, we're trying to spin up as many trade alliances as humanly possible. And like, of course, you want you want the counterparty, you want the the country you're cutting a deal with to be a good country with a healthy economy and a healthy community and a healthy future. But I think as long as you do that, I, I think it, it it brings prosperity to both communities because you're you're tapping into each other's liquidity, um, and it creates creates a really interesting network effect. So if, if if we can tap into 10 to 15 Cosmos protocols for this protocol liquidity matching, they're going to get the benefits of all the other shade trading pairs and silk trading pairs. And then we also get all the benefits of all the markets they're attached to. So I, I, I think Cosmos should, because of IBC, should be embracing trade alliances like way, way, way more aggressively than we have. And I, I think the only trade alliance that's been super aggressive, and this has been more so by proxy of common shareholders, is like Osmosis and Atom, right? Like there's the reason there's so much Atom liquidity on Osmosis and like that those Atom Osmo pools are, are so, so deep and so efficient. And um, I think protocols should step outside of their comfort zone and kind of embrace that team trade alliance mentality more aggressively. And I think it's important to also state like, this is, you know, the the presence of POL matching uh, to to build TVL doesn't um, necessarily dictate whether or not there will be ever be incentives or whether or not we're trying to like prevent holders of these assets from also earning with their uh, liquidity. Um, there are a few there are a few pools right now on ShadeSwap that are like 100% or close to 100% POL, like Shade Stake Secret Pool, which was created with Stake Secret received from bonds. Um, but you know, in the future, especially you know, as the bull market goes back and we're talking about volatile, volatile pairs, you know, we we're not trying to remove the or discourage earning opportunities for shade holders and um, or users who have uh, overlap between you know their the shade that they hold um or want to acquire and and these other assets they might want to pair it against and so just want to put that out there um you know currently most of our uh protocol and liquidity pools actually maybe all of them um uh, have no incentives right now um i do i did just want to put it out there like there is definitely still a future where we're incentivizing these pools. We want these pools to grow past what their current TVL is. And, you know, that's going to require without, without just taking revenue from these pools and putting it right back into them. Um, you know, the increase in TVL is going to have to come from other users providing liquidity. And so that's something we're still definitely recognize and definitely, um, are going to support in the future but and, and one thing too is we haven't done a great job and this is all tied to you know analytics v2 api v2 all this stuff that's received really slow passive upgrades happening in the background things like displaying trade fee apr needs to be like three or four times better than it is right now because there's definitely pools that have really really high aprs but you wouldn't necessarily know it because we really only show the emissions apr and we've we previously showed some of those numbers but they were pretty pretty whack pretty off so we're working on you know one proposed thing is a contract migration to add on volume statistics to the the trading contracts so that would open up the door to much better stats um 
And so, so to TLDR, in the absence of emissions, pools should still grow if they're very popular pairs because of the trading APR. And we haven't necessarily done a great job of displaying that. So that's something we're going to improve on. Yeah, and that's also, you know, tr trade fees are indicative of, they're obviously uh, directly correlated to volume and for liquidity providers who are looking to to leverage that tool um, for whatever purpose they would like to, the, that indicator uh, is really important for being able to effectively determine, you know, how likely or how efficient, um, you know, an opportunity will be from there and depending on what they're trying to do. Um, so yeah, I agree there. I, I'm personally so excited for analytics V2. We're making really good progress. I, I hate trying to put timelines on things and I don't want to get slapped if I try and uh, <laughs> put a timeline maybe, on anything. Maybe we should pull Austin up here so we can give like the high level of the different components that are being worked on. Austin, are you want to come up here? Yeah. If you can, uh, feel free to come up here. I'll bring you up. But if not, totally understandable. I bet, I bet he's juggling multiple things right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in lieu of that, while we're, if he wants to come up, feel free to come up. But um, we're got about 10 minutes left in this space. We're trying to uh, keep it at an hour. So I figured um, it'd be a good time to give some updates on some of our, uh, some of the grants, grant uh recipients that we've got i think one of the coolest ones we've got to give an update on is fina just because they're starting to leverage shade js um let me bring austin up here he's probably got something to say about this hello sir hey, hey. what's up guys not much i thought it'd be funny if you could give a rundown of like all the different api components that are being split up and are in motion right now because i know we've we've talked about <laughs> api is this just looming beast for a long time that's essentially we have like three four people working on it so like yeah we'd love to get an update for the community yeah i mean at this point we have like three to four engineers working almost entirely on uh rebuilding our back-end infrastructure uh, specifically like the off-chain uh infrastructure so <clears throat> database and services to get data from the chain and serve it up to users uh really efficiently um so yeah that's been an ongoing project for a while uh that i'm really excited about and um yeah it's it's getting pretty close i don't want to give dates but i think i think uh within the next like two three weeks maybe we'll be able to to get something out there but uh yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes uh one part of it was um open sourcing uh, a library called shade.js which i've talked a little bit about in the past but <clears throat> that's a a way to efficiently query the blockchain um, and that's something we're we're using on both our front end and back end and and it's some really nice tooling that that anyone in the community can can come in and use as well uh, to get data that they need from from ShadeSwap and eventually other primitives um, and do their own integrations and uh, you know things like aggregators and uh, analytics and 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 things like that people can can do on their own with with our tooling so uh, excited to see our stuff that we're working on come to fruition as well as what other people are going to be building with it how many how many installs uh, are we up to on shade.js last i checked it was uh like 350 
which was more than I was expecting, honestly. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people have been uh, holy crap, that's a lot downloading the library <laughs> and uh, experimenting with it, which is cool. That's crazy. Three hundred fifty. I mean, even if I assume, like what? Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised. I I don't know if there's like a bunch of bot activity out there that downloads new libraries or something. Like, could be some of that, but I have had you know several discussions with people that are that have been downloading it and using it. And uh, <clears throat> the I know the Secret Network dashboard just implemented our batch query optimization so that you can get uh, multiple SNP 20 balances uh, at once with a single ping to the node. Uh, so that, that's that's a great efficiency appro- improvement that, that everyone's going to be able to start using with our tooling. So yeah, uh, it, it's cool stuff. And then Fina is also leveraging Shade.js to be able to allow for uh, you know the silk top-ups to cards, right? Being able to um, swap assets between silk and or whatever your asset between that and silk um, i assume they're probably going to be looking to just go between stables but um you know the ability for them to use shade js correct me if i'm wrong but that that is helping accelerate their timeline uh to, to like completion correct at least from yeah. like the perspective yeah totally i mean we had discussed like some off-chain infrastructure like an endpoint with a router that we we could build and share with them but it sort of makes us a dependency on all their services which is which is never great uh but with the with the shade.js library they were able to come in and and super easily talk to the blockchain themselves get the data they need to make swaps Uh, we have an example uh, uh router optimize optimizer in there as well um so they're going to be able to collect the data and make swaps on their own. And we won't have to be a dependency, which is, which is really cool. That means any of you Europeans in here are that you're that much closer to being able to spend silk on your card, which is awesome. Yeah, and I believe after the routed swaps for top-ups, the next piece will be the in-app integration to the shade app, which I just, I cannot wait to have a freaking card tab on the left side that you can click on. I mean, that's going to be so freaking cool, especially for your Euro- Europeans. I'm so jealous of you guys. <laughs> it's going to be so cool. Yeah, likewise. And it's also been cool. We've seen uh, like Cypher Wallet, I think is the other card provider that um, that is becoming slightly more prominent in uh, in the Cosmos. I know they integrated with Noble, so now you can spend... Uh, USDC.noble through this card. And so um, really excited about the opportunity to expand the utility of Silk as like this asset that you can use as money in the real world. Um, obviously, FINA is, is a incredible partner and, you know, the first to be able to offer that's going to be able to offer this service um, to Silk holders. Um, but, you know, it doesn't stop there, you know, like Carter said, we we're looking to try and accelerate our timelines to adoption as much as possible, and that includes you know really aggressive business development. That includes really aggressive integration. That includes really aggressive development, internal development. Um, kind of goes back to what I was saying. You know, these next two three months for Shade Protocol, and, and I guess the industry as a whole is going to be a really really um, turning moment. You know, how do people 
how do people prepare themselves for this increased wave of adoption, increased wave of, of capital coming into markets, um, an increased awareness of, at least on our side, an increased awareness of financial applications that preserve users' privacy. Um, and this is something I, you know, I use a lot of DEXs. I use a lot of lending products. Um, I use a lot of other DeFi applications. And still, every time I go off of ShadeSwap, off of ShadeLend, off of, uh, you know, our derivatives and go to something that's public, I always just get this weird feeling, you know, in, in the back of my head, like, what the, f- what, what am I doing here? Like, all of this is public, all of it. And it just makes me feel like I have to take my OPSEC up like two to three notches. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, the, the value of privacy, even for someone who lives and breathes this, uh, is not lost on me um, at all, especially as we go outside our, um, you know, our ecosystem. And there's been a lot of recent hype around uh, Zephyr protocols, Zeph, ZSD. And, you know, I think this is, you know, I've said this uh, quite a few times elsewhere. I think this is great, even if you don't like the token, even if you don't think that what they're doing is is efficient, it is bringing more eyes to privacy solutions. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, Shade Protocol still represents the most mature, the most accessible, um, and, and potentially the only uh, ecosystem of privacy-preserving applications. Um, and so for individuals who want to do more than just hold an asset uh, from a speculative perspective, or someone who just wants to hold an asset um, for a stability perspective, um, this is where your opportunity lies right now. Um, and I think that's phenomenal that we're able to continue providing that resource for others. And I'm knowing what I know about what we've got going on in the in the background, I, I'm ex- incredibly excited for all of our current and uh, new users in the future to be able to discover what's possible. My one mini rant about Zeph, if I may so round out the space, you got to love like the cyber, the cyberpunk attitude of like, oh, like we're subverting the government or hyper private, right? Like they're like all in on that. And yet you pegged it to the dollar. Come on. <laughs> like where's, where's the subversion? It always, it always gets me. Everyone has an opportunity to like, just go like that final step over when you're building a stable coin. But like, nope, just another dollar stable coin. Just another dollar stable coin. Yeah, this, this, you know, I did a uh, membrane and membrane and I did a Twitter space yesterday talking about novelty and stable coins. And, um, and it, it, it still blows my mind how, rigid some of these uh, stablecoin protocols are and it truly makes me appreciate the reflexivity of silk like even if you're discounting the privacy aspect the reflexivity uh, that silk provides being able to um, you know update and manage its peg composition um, to be able to kind of navigate changing regulatory monetary policy environments um, as yeah. a civility mechanism, mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. brilliant. No one talks about that. 
yeah, it's it, it's wild. It just makes me appreciate what we've got, right? Even if it's a slow understanding and appreciation of what we're building and and the value of that, um, you know, I I still feel very secure in like the the systems of uh, stability and sustainability we've built. I think I think you said it best. I am assuming you're the person that said this, but like trying to predict the future is pretty futile, right? So trying to predict what is going to happen in two, three, five years is, you know, damn near impossible. And the best thing you can do is make sure that you are flexible, able to be flexible, regardless of the outcome. And that's something I think we've set ourselves up for incredibly. Just just wait for when the US government does a blanket ban. Uh, like, imagine the story, guys, right? Because they, they just chopped the head off of Binance. Fast forward like a year. I think the probability that they say, hey, U.S. citizens, it's illegal to own a U.S. dollar decentralized stablecoin. That's that there's a greater than zero percent probability that happens. Where where do the DeFi where does DeFi liquidity go if something like that happens? Right. And and we're, we're talking about long tail catastrophic regulatory events. Right. But. If, if crypto has been defined by one thing, it's all of the long tail things that inevitably happen. That's what Terra was. That's what FTX was. That's what a $4 billion Binance settlement CEO stepped down is. When it comes to DeFi, who, who was prepared for the most absurd censorship environment, right? It's, it's going to be very interesting. I I agree with that too. And it's not so much from the perspective of like all the government wants to uh, like take control of, of DeFi, but it's, it's like from their perspective, they have monetary policy. And if they can, if they just freely allow a bunch of financial activity to operate, in a way that's affecting their own monetary support, uh, monetary policy, their own supply of dollars that are in the world. Like that is something they're going to look at as, as a negative uh, and a, something that could potentially collapse the whole system. Right. But we're in this really interesting niche where we don't have to live in, in that sort of a threat. And, and that's a good, good place to be. Yep. Add one more thing to be thankful for. Thankful for reflexivity. But we're five minutes over. Want to be respectful of all of our listeners' time and our speakers' time. Carter, Austin, you guys have any last minute uh, additions you want to make? Any uh, anything to pump people up for the, uh, yeah. for the holidays? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the doomerism today. I hope you guys all have incredible turkey dinners or wh- wherever you are in the world. There's a lot to be hopeful about. So. I, every once in a while, you got to have that come to Jesus moment a little bit where we, we, we acknowledge long tail risks. But I am extremely excited for the holidays, extremely excited for all the building, lots to be hopeful about. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Appreciate it. I think we all know what Carter is going to be talking about at the at the Thanksgiving table. Uh, so we, I'm, I'm sure the family members are going to love this. I'm sure my family members are going to love this conversation. It's, it's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> but with that, I think we'll close it out. Thank you all for joining us today. This was a great conversation. Really excited to bring some updates next week following the holidays. 
Uh, for anyone who is in the audience right now, who's participating in the hackathon we've got going now, we uploaded our last workshop uh, that we hosted yesterday on the introduction to SQL Wasm development and, and dev environment setup. That's all on our YouTube, uh, the Shade Protocol YouTube. So if you missed it yesterday, go check it out uh, on our YouTube. Stay tuned for updates. Uh, the workshop that was planned for tomorrow will be pushed back until early uh, next week, um, just because it's the holidays. Um, so just want to give an update. We're going to be putting out updates on all our channels. But for anyone who's listening or is going to be listening in the near future to this, just want to give that update. Um, and yeah, hope you guys all enjoy the holidays if you're celebrating. If not, hope you still have a great rest of the week. Same. And like we always say, there's always room in the shade. Hope you guys have a great day. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape them under the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets, dead ends, dragging out the max amount of payments. Red down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these tokenomics. They probing this bear, flexing broken honest. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting honest. And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic. Never known the politic, I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom. Over impossible loss, it's all moss. And I'm liking the odds. Bond doing the morning, forming mycological bonds. Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked and non-toxic just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your communitility All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers Drumming the streets, yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers, fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served